Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat with the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office where we chat with Northwest faculty, staff, and students to hear about their career journey and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Assistant Director of Career Services. And today we are joined by Dr. Joy Daggs, who is an Associate Professor in the School of Communication and Mass Media. Thanks for being here, Joy. Not a problem. All right, let's jump into yep. it. Okay. <laughs> um, my first question, per always, is what was your very first job? Ironically, like I was telling you just before this, it, this is kind of a flashback. My first job was actually at my local hometown radio station. I was a weekend DJ. Uh, most of the time, I just pushed buttons, um, and we it was in the early 90s, so we were making the transition from um, records to CDs. Um, Most of the music was on CD, but there were still a couple of times an hour we had to play a song on a 45, and we had shelves that went floor to ceiling with 45 records that I remember one New Year's Eve when I was doing that year-end countdown. You know, they were, that was Mm -hmm. just a CD that we put in and went for 20 minutes or whatever before the commercial breaks. And I was in school, but I didn't have any homework or anything. So that's a long night to not have anything else to do. I dusted the entire floor collection. To, yes, the whole thing. Pushed them all back, pulled them. Because one of the things you were supposed to do for the next shift was to pull out the 45s mm-hmm. because it took a long time. They weren't alphabetized or anything. You just They were kind of by artist. But... You know, somebody like Dolly Parton has a whole shelf full of 45s and like one hit wonders. We're all in just like A, A, G, <laughs> D. So you had to go through and pull out the 45 that was on the list. So I did that um, for the last two years of high school, mostly worked weekends. So yeah, did either a country countdown was usually on or we were a Mizzou sports network. So I pushed the buttons during the Mizzou broadcast or Cardinal baseball. So, yeah, cool. We've had a lot we've had a lot of uh mass comm type of people on here and even people who aren't in that field. It's fascinating how many people Travis started at. Well, he started at the the gas station, but then he moved yep. quickly to radio. Yep. So, it's amazing how many people started in in that type of experience. Yeah, it was um it was kind of the job that you know, was you didn't really work weeknights because they had typical you know, and the um, guy who did mornings for, like, from the time the station literally debuted in 1982, literally just retired last year. And wow. he did the mornings <laughs> from, like, at 4 o'clock to, like, 10. And so he had the mornings. There was an afternoon person and an evening person, and they pretty much stayed pretty consistent. So it was just us, mostly high school kids that worked on the weekends, mm-hmm. pushing buttons and and we went off the air at midnight every night. Oh, so wow. you had to make sure you played the national anthem and put all the little broadcast thing and take it off the air when you worked huh. the six to midnight shift. So Very cool. So that was high school. Mm-hmm. Where did you decide, like, how did you make a college decision? How uh, did you get, like, where did you decide to go after that? Uh, well, um, I have always had an interest in communication, writing journalism, even though we really didn't have a lot of programs for that at my school. And for a long time, I really wanted to go to Mizzou. But when time came down, I was more um, interested in going, I something smaller was going to be better for me. I was also in high school around the time um, that the 1992 AAUW study came out about how women were being 
like girls and boys education was pretty much on par, like their achievement was pretty much on par until about the fifth or sixth grade. And then they noticed that the achievement of girls at that point and through high school went down. Mm -hmm. And it was because girls were not getting the same level of support and encouragement. And so my, um, I have two much older sisters. They're 14 and 10 years older than I am. And they had both gone to college, and my sister, who's only 10 years older than me, went to William Woods University in Fulton, Missouri. It was an all-women's institution at that time. And one of their big draws was women, ha- you ha- they can't not call on you because otherwise there's nobody else in class. Uh, women hold all the leadership positions on campus. Women have all the opportunities. And so having that kind of an education really appealed to me um, in a small private setting. So I went to William Woods University in Fulton, Missouri, and I studied English and communication with an emphasis in PR. And I minored in computer information science, um, which was... Oh, little known fact right there, right? But it was, I was able to do more software. So like I took entire, it was the late 90s at that point. So I took classes in PowerPoint, Word, Excel, Mm -hmm. and when I knew what came out in 1998 and knew how to use PowerPoint, they were really, that's exciting. <laughs> that's weird. You know, and so, and I even heart, I took a class in web design and it was hard coding with HTML. Like you opened notepad. Yep. I wrote like, that's wrote, how we learned. Yes. Yeah, so very <laughs> baseline. Uh, so yeah, I did that for, that was my minor. So what did you want to do with that? When you graduated from college, you were like, I'm going to be a, uh, I really at one mortally wanted to go into like sports PR oh, or yeah. start kind of working into. Um, I also really enjoyed some agency work. I did my internship because uh, we had they called them field experience technically, uh, but we all had to have an internship to graduate even then at William Woods. So I worked at a small agency in Jefferson City, and they really relied on their intern because they only had about six employees, and it was not a, please go get us coffee, go Mm -hmm. pick up this. They had a lot of things like beef industry, dairy industry, clients, and they did coloring books uh, Mm -hmm. for kids to learn about beef cattle or things like that. I liked doing some of the basic desktop publishing, so I also worked. That was one of their other classes I took. But the thing was, they didn't have the desktop publishing software. In, I got you at the agency, so it was a very interesting. They they contracted it out to a graphic designer, so I had to put everything like use this graphic to this design, make it look like this. So I did that. But then my um, my first job out of college, once I graduated, I moved to St. Louis because that was where my friends were. And I was like, well, I'll in St. Louis. I want to live in the bigger city. Um, my first job was with a stockbroker and um, he thought he wanted to do more marketing. Um, I found out finance was not a good fit for me. Uh, but you were doing marketing for him or? Kind of. Um, it was PowerPoints? Not, well, I wasn't even doing PowerPoints. I was doing a lot of prospecting. Mm. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was um, I learned a lot about going through the St. Louis phone book and looking up people's names and addresses. That's what I did a lot of the day. So that was just not something I wanted to continue doing. And so then I... Do students these days even know what a phone book is? They know what one <laughs> is. Because uh, ironically, then my next job, because I was... And that position had been created, so there wasn't a lot of direction that this is what it's going to do mm-hmm. this is where it's going to go and so I was very adamant that my next position my entry was going to be something that there was like a program training mm-hmm. within a company and so then I went to work um, for TMP Worldwide they are more well known now as the 
parent company of Monster.com. And, but their, their base program, Monster.com was kind of their, extra, was just one arm of their business. They actually started TMP, stands for Telephone Marketing Programs. Mm-hmm. And they placed Yellow Pages advertising nationally. So that's what I did. Um, my first one, I was on one of the moving van accounts. Um, so even today I see some of those vans. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember working on that person's account. This is where they're located. And I have a really odd knowledge of area codes, particularly west of the Mississippi, um, because I, they had a program you started on one of the van line accounts and you, because those were the big display ads, those were like the full page ads because movers was a big hitting mm-hmm. in the yellow pages. And then when I got my, got promoted to an account executive position, I got another stock broking co- brokerage company as my client. And they, they posted, did a lot smaller stuff, but I pretty much placed everything west of the Mississippi, except for Arkansas. I don't know why they'd split, said no Arkansas, but they swapped Arkansas. So I had Wisconsin, Illinois. So you called them up and said, hey, do you want to put your ad in the yellow pages? Or, or well, we sent them, they, they, they had to go through us. And we would send them kind of like here, we did them annually. So it'd be like, you'd send them the list of these are the, um, and most time they were advertising in multiple phone books. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, these are all the phone books. Oh, these I are see. the deadlines for them. And so then you basically renewed them or. Based on what they wanted to do and yes. which, which, which one mm-hmm. or wherever they were doing business. Yes. And there were also all kinds of stuff about how those phone books were used. It was mm-hmm. like Nielsen television ratings. They had. They called it NIPM data, and it was National Yellow Pages usage, and it would see, like, if people were making call, which phone book were they using, and usually it was the utility. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last phone book I had <clears throat> delivered to my house, I opened it up, and I think there was only four pages of phone numbers in it. Like, it had shrunk so much, there was more yellow pages than there were actual phone numbers in it. So that's why I ask, do people even use phone books these days? No, um, I don't. Not that, but I think where my mom lives, they still use it a little bit more. And because I use her phone company has a newsletter they put out every month with with their phone bills. And it's an interesting design. I'll just put it that way. But they'll have all the directory changes like listed out. Hmm. And I remember students like, they just publish people's phone numbers. I don't know why they're doing that. That is just ridiculous. <laughs> How do you publish people's phone numbers? <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's not okay. <laughs> so at what point did you decide maybe the career in the telephone book industry was not for you? Well, I was I was living in St. Louis. My oldest sister um, was living in Iowa. Both my sisters actually were in Iowa at that point. Um, and my oldest sister had two young little girls, which are now 24 and 20, about to be 21 <laughs> and 25. And I wasn't getting to see them very much. My other sister lived in Iowa. She didn't have kids at that time. But I felt like out of the loop, like way down in St. Louis with them in Iowa. My parents were in Memphis, Missouri, which is my hometown. And I was clear down in St. Louis, and I don't have aunts, uncles, or cousins, so that was it. Both parents, only children. So that's my family, extended family. So I wanted to move up closer to Iowa, and so I started looking for jobs in the Cedar Rapids area, and every time I, they would send my resume with account executive, they're like, oh, you're a salesperson. You're in sales. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't want to do sales. And mm-hmm. it got very frustrating, so I'm like, I don't want to do sales. This is not what I do. And... 
I had kind of always thought in the back of my mind, I want to go to grad school at some point. And so when I think my sister, one of my sisters said, why don't you just try moving as a full-time student? Because you know you can do that. You know you can get into grad school. And so I'm like, well, okay. So I looked at the University of Iowa and the University of Northern Iowa. And uh, I really, I just, it, you know, random acts. I said, I said, this is what I'm interested in. They directed me. Um, so to call to the person, the director of graduate studies um, at that time, which is Dr. Melissa Beal at Northern Iowa, and I left her a message. She called back, and I just immediately even clicked on the phone with her. Uh, went up one day with my mom, and we went and talked to her about the program at Northern Iowa. I applied, got in, got an assistantship. So I left St. Louis and moved to Iowa. Um, and I worked as a teaching assistant, and I also worked part-time in my sister's office, and she built medical supplies, wheelchairs, oxygen, all that stuff. So I worked part-time there and did some projects there, and then I worked um, as a teaching assistant. And I was just going to go for two years, get my master's, go back into industry. And did you know what you were going to get your master's in? Like you knew it was going to be communication? Or? Yes. Yeah, I knew it was going to okay. be comm studies. And, and at that time in Iowa, because I was thinking that most likely I was probably going to end up settled there, um, teach at a community college, because that was – you were required to be certified to teach at the community colleges in Iowa. Most places you just you know, need a master's degree. Mm-hmm. You had to have a master's degree and a specific certification huh. at that point. So I was like, well, I'll get that certification. So that way, in case industry doesn't work out, I have that certification. But once I got into the, kind of the academic thing and started learning about conferences and traveling to conferences and doing the teaching, and work, I was like, this is really, you know, what I want to, I want to do more of this. And so then I was talking to, there was an older lady um, that had was adjuncting there and she was, and she's like, you need to go get your PhD so you ha- can get a terminal job. You need mm-hmm. to go do that. So I was looking either Iowa or Missouri and Missouri was much better like they were being more responsive, the program was better. They were folk. They were okay if you wanted to focus on teaching, and so it kind of also allowed me to kind of get to my original plan of going to Mizzou. But I'm going to Mizzou <laughs> for grad school. So. The roundabout. You kind of took the roundabout journey, but yes. you got there. Yes. So I went to Mizzou and did my PhD, and my first job out at Mizzou. I've also had a very odd opportunity that I've only I've lived in Missouri my entire life, except for the two years I was in my master's program. I've managed to even my first job out of school um, was a small liberal arts school on the east side, about an hour from my hometown. And so I taught every like from basic speech course to um, my senior basic, seminar or yeah, whatever. Yes, yeah, senior yes, yeah. yeah, senior seminar, media writing, a little bit of everything. But you know, there weren't a lot of opportunities at there for me to do any research or to do outside work and things and so on. I was like, I really want to do that. And it's sometimes people, you know, Maryville's rural, that town was 2,500 people. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I was going to Walmart, the Walmart high V run was like a plan. You mean to make a plan. This is, I'm going to Walmart. Uh, <laughs> I, I was right where Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois touch. And they were about 20 miles from Quincy, Illinois, 30 miles from Keokuk, Iowa. I would usually go to Keokuk because there were fewer people there. And, but that was a plan. You go to Aldi, whatever you don't find at Aldi. You go to Hy-Vee, whatever you don't find at Hy-Vee, you get at Walmart. And it was like a once a month. I, will, I would call it my looting trip because my car would be packed to the gills because that was my trip for the month. Because otherwise, you know, I wasn't. I was That's gonna, true small town living, right? Yes. I mean, there were times you could pick a couple of little things up in town because there was a Dollar General and there was a small a smaller grocery store. But other unique items you had to plan and travel. So, so you mentioned 
wanting to do more research or having some more opportunities, what ultimately prompted you to leave, I guess, to move to a different yeah, institution? I, yeah, I just, I want like my students didn't have a lot, like even like sometimes they were here, we didn't really, we have local things and then we have, you, you, Travis, you can probably you know, attest to that we have some local things, but a lot of times we're going to St. Joe, Kansas City. I mean, St. Louis was even three hours from where mm-hmm. this was. Quincy had some things. Hannibal, which was a little long, and I mean, so it was a major undertaking for students to do any kind of work. And I, I was doing a lot of kind of, we were part of like a division. So there was like two or three comm faculty, two or three psych faculty, but then mm-hmm. we were under another umbrella. And so I was kind of even doing a little bit of admin of some of the comm stuff. And I was like two years out of my PhD, mm-hmm. and so I was doing more of that than not doing as many like conference presentations and exploring some of those kind of options and I was just like you know I really wanted to get more and people were kind of in the communication discipline because I'd been to conferences um, I've been to the regional conference every year since 2003 uh, we're saying well would you be interested in doing some more like leadership positions and that wasn't really an option um, with all the other load I had right. on so I was like I wanted to be someplace that I could have you know just more opportunities to and serve in some different roles, get learn some more as a faculty member. And so that really prompted me to start exploring other opportunities. And I usually, because my mother was based in Memphis, she still is based there, but she is thinking about moving, like either moving here or with my other sister, one of my other sisters. And I didn't want to be far from her because she is a two-time cancer survivor. Um, wow. The, yeah, she'll be 84 in May. And so I wanted to, and I'm the most mobile of my sisters. I don't, I don't have kids. The cats, I can just leave out enough food. And well, for a long time, I had a basset hound, and she rode in the car. So if anything happened, I could get in the car and easily help. So I've tried to stay fairly close. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, so I applied at Northwest and um, was um, and immediately got a call from Matt Walker. Like I think the job closed on Monday, and he called on like Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I had a phone interview that Friday, and then they called that Friday afternoon and said, "Can you come to campus next week?" And I think it's a, it's a Wednesday in December in 2011, that would have been, and then I had an offer before Christmas. So. Wow. So did you start in spring? No, you started I did in the, in the fall. fall. Okay, yes. I gotcha. Yes, I did start in the fall, but they were trying to get their search done and get mm-hmm. somebody in and committed, you know. So began the search of finding some place to rent mm-hmm. with my dog and cats. And gotcha. <laughs> Yeah. So visited Northwest in December and still chose to come. That's yes, dedication. yes. Yeah, it wasn't, it was raining a little bit when I got here, but it wasn't snowing or anything. That's so, good. I, you know, I lived on the east side, so. Was the wind blowing 40 miles no, per hour? No, it was not. It was not. The wind was not blowing. Yeah, in 2011, we had that, with the, they called it the snowpocalypse, mm-hmm. where you got like 24 inches, and I had a basset hound. And I just remember <laughs> I lifted the garage, took her to go in the backyard, and she looked at me like, what am I supposed to do? I can't clear that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. The snow was on the ground for a long time that year. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your area of specialty in communication? So when you get to the PhD level, right, you do yes. a dissertation, you do some research. What was your area of interest? What was your dis- dissertation over? Okay, my dissertation was actually about, because one of the other things um, I did when I was, was an undergrad is I was a member of Greek organization. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, it was a very, and it still is a very unique culture at that institution, that Greek life is a very integral part of the institution. And still people are very identified by 
their affiliation with the organization. So then when I became an academic, they were like, don't talk about being involved in anything like that. Um, and there was one conference I went to as a PhD student. And I was not only like going to the conference, but I was also, uh, they had, I, there was like a pre-conference for students and mm-hmm. then a little mini conference. And I was staying through the whole thing. And so I was rooming in these um, apartments with people I'd never met before. So you really were, quote, on all the time because you're staying mm-hmm. with people you've never met. And so you really can't just relax. <laughs> uh, and I said to one of them, I said, I feel like I'm at a recruitment party that won't end. Because I'm just like, okay, hi, hi, no. <laughs> it's to be pleasant all the time. And they said, don't ever let anybody hear you say something like that. And I was very... <laughs> And so then somebody else, like when I was, we were another friend of mine in my PhD program, she was talking, we were talking, and she was like, you're in a sorority too? I thought I was the only one. And and so we started talking about this idea of how you're supposed to, connect, like how do you present that on the mm-hmm. academic side? Do you talk about it? Do you not talk about it? And so that was kind of my, like, how do you present this part of you that to some in this particular thing is stigmatized to a degree? Mm-hmm. And found out some very interesting stuff about the fact that people just don't talk about it because it's easier. Also found out some really interesting stuff about different types of organizations that I didn't expect to learn. So I've never like completely fit like one little thought, like said, oh, you're an interpersonal communication or an organizational communication. I actually kind of dabble in a lot of different areas. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) what is the, what is your favorite class to teach? What is the, the piece of the student here at Northwest what classes do you teach? How about we start with that? Okay. Well, I teach the basic um, speech course, uh, the hybrid communication course. I teach public relations techniques, and I teach crisis communication. And I'm going to pe- start teaching intercultural again in the spring. So those are my basic four classes. What is your? So my question then would be, like, what is your favorite, I don't want to say favorite class, but what is your favorite experience in teaching students what do you see that students learn in your class what what brings you joy I guess when you teach right well I think each one kind of brings something a little bit different Um, like in the basic course your students are like I have to I have to get to a speech and so since we do what they call a hybrid course and we so we do things like the other aspects of communication like language nonverbal culture technology Mm -hmm. they're learning about that communication is not just giving a speech or so some of the, and they're learning how that might apply in their particular career field. What are they going to do with this? And that commu- like it happens every day. There's little things about that. So I like that part of the basic course. And mm-hmm. uh, then we have in the PR techniques class, I've kind of over the years kind of seen that as kind of it's an intro to the field. But I also I have public relations concentration students and organizational for the most part in there. And so I've kind of made it kind of an, there's a little piece of it that's kind of intro to professional communication. And so we do a resume, we do a cover letter, we do memos, business letters, so that there's at least a baseline to do that. So some of that stuff, which may not be the most fun thing to do, but it's a skill you need to learn. And very pragmatic, really, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, learning to do their portfolio. So kind of, I like that class because I kind of start them on their journey a little bit and kind of lay some foundation. Um, crisis communication has been a really interesting, uh, not to overuse the word journey, but it has been an interesting journey for me because I hadn't taught that really before I got here. And it was a little, I was kind of trying, because there are two very different types of students. We have our EDM students who are very 
hands, you know, we go in, they're firefighters part-time or they're, they want to be humanitarians. They want to, and they want to be very, ta- you know, doing kind of things, things yeah, that, that I'm like. EDM stands for emergency, emergency disaster, disaster, disaster yes. Okay. Gotcha. So <laughs> they have one. And so that's one type of student. Then a communication student are like, I, I don't do fire. Um, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so I'll, that's been really interesting to see how do they work to, so they can start to see how you work together. You know, communication majors can see that you know what you do is very valuable because that's not a skill everybody has because that's mm-hmm. something. Well, communication everybody does that and anybody can do it. Not necessarily. Not everybody does it well. And so, understanding what's appropriate to say when it's not appropriate to say. How do you say something? Or and I just fell into one of my own traps that I get into my on emergency disaster management has a lot of jargon like and it sometimes it's not even difficult it's just like colors but it means something different in their context versus a public context and that translation between jargon and common speak i suppose yes and so the communication folks can say i wouldn't know what that is could you please explain Uh. that or one of my favorite things to do in that class is i make up an event that bugs bunny is going to come speak on campus and bugs bunny is also a big I make him very problem childish. Um, like he is vegan and he's allergic to things and he travels with five suitcases and you've got to get him out of the airport, get him to the hotel here in Maryville and you've got to feed him. And then he needs security at the event in the Houston Center. And nobody's allowed in the balcony because he's afraid of birds. Um, <laughs> and, and so they have to navigate that. How are you going to navigate getting, and he appeals to all age groups. So how are you You're going to have children there? You're going to have older people. How are you going to navigate all of these things? And so they have to work together to plan this event and whatever, all the things that they have to do. So they actually make a plan. Yeah. Like let's say you're in charge of this, you're in charge of this, you're in char- I break it into like five or six parts and then they write down what they're going to do to make sure that there are no crises that come from this event. And then they pass them around to each area so that they get five sets of eyes on their rich, uh, initial plan to see the importance of working together from the two different lenses. Gotcha. So like, it's like a lot of times it, like if it's a group of five emergency disaster management students, they may not see like, well, you need to message this in a certain way. On the flip side, the communicate, the EDM, you didn't think about security here. There's a problem here. And Oh no, I didn't think about that. So they learn how to work together. And, and then the, Bugs Bunny's on the floor. Cause somebody, you know, he's allergic to whatever. Peanuts, and they just gave yeah. him a shrimp or you yeah. know, a peanut or something. <laughs> yeah, somebody brought a peanut butter thing in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would think that'd be powerful. That kind of cross. Yes. Cross-cultural almost communication really yes. between the different mindsets. That's really yes. interesting. So. Yeah, I think people, when they think of cross-cultural, they think of maybe racial things or, or continental things. They don't think about, hey, um, I'm a culture because I'm a science major, mm-hmm. right? My culture doesn't blend necessarily with the the uh, athletes or with, with a different group of people. Yeah, because we even have that, here, you know, just regional things mm-hmm. like, there are things that we as Missourians think are normal and other people, what? What, you're going to experience four seasons in one week? Huh? <laughs> or one hour? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty normal that you could wear, have a, you need to have like four coats out at all times <laughs> uh, and be prepared for any of those coats to be needed. And so we, I know, I know because I taught university seminar, I'm just going to jump into a whole different land here, but you were also the director of university seminar for how Two and a half years. I started July years. 1 of 2017. So what did you do in that role? Um, I was in charge of, like, I worked with a committee, advisory committee of instructors to design the curriculum and see, like, what, how assignments are working, what, 
what should we add, what should we subtract, making sure that it was helpful to the first-year students. Um, I worked very close. So it was kind of interesting to have a foot in academic success and retention and a foot over here because um, I kind of heard some of the different things, student struggles that I don't necessarily hear on the side of the faculty member. Um, so did a lot of the curriculum, um, planned a lot, did the Canvas sites and all that, communicated any, like, university-type announcements because um, it didn't occur to me the first semester that like staff folks who are teaching don't necessarily get all the stuff from the registrar's office mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. oh you don't know how to <laughs> enter grades oh it's really well, here's the directions i just didn't even think you didn't under didn't know that that wasn't something you just do uh, <laughs> <laughs> so learning some of those things um working to kind of find the best ways to you know, work with students like this year we did um for the welcome cards, they know which, where to, how to go find their seminar class, who's their peer advisor. So we went to a texting system, email and texting system this year, which was really nice. So, did you what what motivated you to do that? I mean, what drew you to that? Uh, well, when I start at my other institution, I start there. Um, I got involved in teaching their first year experience program. Theirs was a little different. Um, it was a three credit class, and it replaced the basic composition class. So. They had all the English faculty taught it, and then other faculty could teach it. And so at that time, first comm was just kind of written. They're like, well, you do it. And you also got to pick a topic to kind of, that you could be more intentional Focused with. on. Or, yeah. yeah. And so like here we have our themes of leadership, community, um, community engagement, and global um, experiences. Theirs were more things like I taught a, a class about 80s pop culture <laughs> so I got, they had to w- got to watch 80s TV shows and watch 80s movies, and that was their class. Uh, That's a pretty good class if you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> Travis wants to teach yeah. that section. Can I major in that? Yeah, I'll go back. Oh uh, Yeah, it was um, – and – at first, they were kind of, what I really enjoyed about that. that when I first said, that's what I want to do is 80s pop culture. They're like, well, I just don't think that these students are going to want to take 80s pop culture. You should probably make it 90s. I'm like, well, let me share it. Let's stay with the 80s for it. And my class, and it was a completely self selected thing. My class always filled first. <laughs> with that, I mean, it was always full, no problem. And my class typically, ha- and I kind of got into that. I, with teaching the basic oral comm course, so that's something taught as grad student and surely. Mm-hmm. And so it helped me when I was teaching that first time, that first experience class the first time, figure out where the gap was. Because I was always like, why do you not know how to read the final schedule? Because I would have the first couple of times I would adjunct or things. Like, I can't come to your final. I have class at that time. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not how no. it works. Yeah. Nonverbal <laughs> doesn't go well over the podcast. I was like, no. Um, you know, this is a different, there's a totally different schedule. So, but then stepping into that first year role, you're like, the students don't know. I mean, No just, one teaches them those basic things about how does an academic semester work? What is an academic semester? What are the actual things that you do in college, right? Yes. yes. And so it was like, when I was teaching that first year experience class, I'm like, that's my chance to connect the dots. And so I really enjoyed doing that. And they really, and my class, um, had good retention so they were definitely and I'm so they wanted me to stay teaching that class now I don't know that was I don't know if it was a combination but I also have to think the people who were first getting in line are typically probably top right. yeah so <laughs> that so I had a little bit of advantage there so I did that and I just really enjoyed that kind of making that connection and figuring that out so and then of course I taught for, as soon as I could teach that's the university seminar for first just freshman now university seminar here, I wanted to do that. And I've just, like I said, I like the, that 
okay, you need to step back. Because And one of the things when I was teaching my previous school that we had a really good, um, like, kind of overall retention coordinator, and she said, Told us to explain, taught, taught us about explaining things in terms of Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers. And Sesame Street will get like, they'll be like, we're going to go see, Be- listen to Beethoven. Yay. Everybody, let's go. Woohoo. And they're all excited and they have no idea why they're excited. They're just supposed <laughs> to go because Big Bird said go. And whereas Mr. Rogers would be like, this is who Beethoven was. This, this is, is Beethoven's background. Yeah, this, this is why we should listen to Beethoven. Yes. <laughs> and so when you are, to, this is your class syllabus. This is why it's important. This is why you need to read it. This is what, you know, this is what it does for your class. And so we kind of had to keep that mindset of, you know, doing the, and so teaching the student, okay, this is why you're doing what you're doing. And so this is why you're need to have this inf- you need to read your syllabus when it comes to your attendance policy this is why you're why you need to be on top of your grades now and not the last week of classes this is why you need to do all this so i've kind of been interested in that transition that students i think that is a so i've taught university seminar i think that is a key piece of understanding that when you come to college you learn discipline specific things but you also learn other types of skills that are common to every college student what is a registrar? Let's be honest. No one knows what the registrar does until you have to, you know, get a grade. And then as a staff member, I mean, I, we understand the importance of the registrar. What is a provost? A I've bursar. never heard that word yeah. before. What is a bursar? Why do we use all of these olden terms for things? Yeah. Well, <laughs> a few years ago, it was because uh, one of my um, students was talking to me about the registration process and the little workaround that sometimes Pete, like have a husband hold a seat. Oh, yeah. We did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was funny because she said to me, well, didn't you do that in school? And I'm like, no, we stood outside an office with a paper in our hand. <laughs> <laughs> and said, please put me in these classes. <laughs> so if we have students listening or maybe someone who's interested in communication, what can I do because we hear this a lot in our office. I hear communication students who come in and they say, I want to go to career day and, you know, meet some employers, but nobody is looking for communications majors. Most of the time, there's a lot of things that students can do. Like there's consulting work, which I know some of them done, corporate training. Lots of time I find all, that public speaking is one of those skills that they want people who, who are willing to and can do public speaking. And so it can give them a little bit of an in. Also, the writing skills that they get in things like PR techniques. And we do a lot of writing. An article, and I share it a lot with my technique students, is that some employers are having to retrain their entry-level employees how to write. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if you have those writing skills, think of how much more appealing you are as a candidate because you can start writing. They don't have to go train you on something that, Skill you should already about. have right, right? Yeah, even applying for the job and writing a cover letter is yes we see lots of them and it's amazing how something that basic is such a struggle for a lot of folks because they just don't use those muscles yes so. and i would say half of our student employees we go through and talk to them each semester what would you like more training on almost always it's writing cover letters or writing writing something is yes. is something that they just don't feel comfortable or don't feel like they've practiced enough yeah and a lot of writing a cover letter, which also gives com- communication students can frequent argumentation and persuasion, mm-hmm. is this you know something we teach. 
that's really what you're doing in that cover letter. So if any of you students are students are listening, you're really making an argument of why you're the best candidate for them. It, and it should be focused on what you can do for them, not just how awesome you are. What are <laughs> you? Yes, you're awesome. So this is how your awesomeness is going to fit in for them. Mm-hmm. And you need to and make the case that you don't j- just want any job. That's also something communication majors learn a little bit of the, what they call self-presentation. Like you don't, basically you don't show all your cards, not like, I'm, you don't write in your cover letter, I'm completely desperate for a job. Please someone hire me. I will take anything. Literally, you do not write that. That may be going through your head, but you don't write that. Mm-hmm. And so you need to make sure you're making a good case for why you deserve that. That's, my, that's my number one. I think I'm, I'm just going to publicly air this grievance. That's my number one complaint in not actually in the writing of the documents, but in interviews, I've had so many students when the question is, why do you want this job? Their answer is, well, I just need a job. And I want to be like, yeah. <laughs> wrong <Okay>. answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could have had given me 50 of these, any of these other answers. Like, I really am interested in this area. I'd like to try this because I found this blah, blah, blah. This job is, you know, but not, I just need a job. That's never the right answer. No. And to know something about the organization, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that this was something that they really used on my interview here, but being, and it was kind of an advantage I had as a native Missourian and that students from my high school came over here to school, I knew that Northwest had been an electronic campus from a, for a long time because one of the things when I was looking at schools was that there were PCs in the room. That was a big <laughs> selling point. And so... Well, they were like, well, what do you know about that? And I was able to say, you know, technology is a huge part. And, you know, I really like mm-hmm. your focus on technology. I know you've had that since at least the mid-90s. I didn't know how far back it went, but I knew that and could talk about some of those kind of specific things, not just you don't definitely don't want to sit down in the job interview and be like, so what do you do here? <laughs> right. Nope. Yeah, and I think someone actually, I heard something about a mock interview that somebody didn't know what the agent, like it was an advertising agency. They didn't know that it was an advertising agency. So you need mm-hmm. to... Do your research. Yeah, have, yeah they can do it online. Them. They don't have to get the yellow pages like we used to have. Yes, or <laughs> call them or yeah. go yeah, to their business. Because <laughs> well, when I took a marketing class as an undergrad, the professor wanted us to pick a company and like and everything, all of our assignments would be about that company's stuff. And so he wanted us to pick a Fortune 500 company. And so I picked Reebok because at the time it was a huge, I loved Reebok shoes. And um, Reebok was big then. Like yeah, that Reebok's, was a big, Reebok was big. And I don't yeah. hear about Reebok these I days. I had a, few, a, a pair a few years ago and I still see them on time to time. But they aren't like, because, well, Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal had just signed a contract with Reebok. And so his, you know, that was a huge deal. And I remember I had to like write them a letter and ask for their annual report. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, a physical letter and say, could you please send this to me? Times have changed. Yes, I'm like, now you just go to Reebok.com, find investor relations, annual report, done. Mm-hmm. Any tips or tricks? I was asked for the tips and tricks of finding a job interviewing, writing your documents, any anything that you've learned in, in your moving through careers? Um, make sure you're using the right word form for what you mean. Like you could really send the wrong message with a, just a wrong word choice. And those things don't always pick up on spell check. So 
make sure. Yeah, what was your, what's your favorite example? I forgot um, what it was, Travis. Someone who said they were interested in all faucets of the business industry oh. instead of facets. <laughs> One letter off, but boy, it changes the meaning And spell Chuck doesn't catch it if it says yeah. faucet because that's a, a word. word. Yeah. It's spelled correctly, just not used correctly. <laughs> yeah, or I went through training mm. and they T-H-R-E-W yeah. <laughs> instead of O-U-G, yeah. Um, or even sometimes people mix up the words condemn and condone. Mm. And that's yeah. definitely not the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely sends a different message. It's just really making sure you're on top of that because that does make a difference. Networking, using those networking skills, taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to you. You know, you got, yeah, your services to speed networking, your individual departments and schools do networking events with alumni, connect with them. Even if you don't feel comfortable, like, because when I did my Harley-Davidson internship a couple of years ago, that was something that was a big part of my career. I still can stay connected with everybody I worked with there from LinkedIn. Like, because I did, we weren't really close enough in two weeks to be Facebook friends, but <laughs> LinkedIn is an appropriate place to be connected. And so to keep those connections and follow and follow companies that maybe you're interested in working with and really think about the kind of place you want to work, mm-hmm. uh, because that's something um, that sometimes another thing I think that some, when you're in that first I just need a job. You're not necessarily thinking that it is. You're also interviewing them a little bit right. too. And so if you're getting that vibe that I don't know that I fit in here, trust that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like if if it's a job that you know, you're going to be the only person there that's under 30 and single without kids, is are you comfortable in that position? Right. Some people are like, no, I'm just there to go to work. I've got plenty of other things. That's not going to bother me. Other people are like, you know, I'm new to the city. I don't know anybody I really would like some people I work with to kind of grow Hang my Hang out with, yeah. Yeah, so really think about what you want as a career, and don't be afraid to try something different if the first thing doesn't work. That's really good advice, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to the Harley-Davidson internship. So yes. you just kind of threw that out there, like, <laughs> oh, you know, my Harley-Davidson internship. <laughs> uh, so what? What? how did you find that? What, what was that opportunity for you, and then what did you do there? Uh, so spring of 2017, when the, we did the university kind of report, said we we're going to focus on profession-based learning, and a report account that we wanted these faculty internships or externships, however they were going to re- phrase it, and lots of things in my life were happy accidents that all kind of converge. Our National Communication Association that does our, we just had our big conference last month, I'm a member of the Public Relations Interest Division there. And so if you're in those things, they'll send out other things of interest, possibly the group. And so they sent out this thing that was for, uh, they call it the Planck Center for uh, Leadership and Public Relations Education, which is at the University of Alabama. And it's named after a woman named Bexy Planck, who was an educator there for several years. And she went passed away in 2006 and left this endowment for faculty members to work for two weeks to go to either corporation or a major agency and job shadow work for two weeks and they change the organizations every year so when I applied it was just I had to send in my curriculum vita and a letter and then Dr. Matt Walker had to send in a letter too and I didn't know where I was going I didn't know if I'd even get it Um, so I was like well if we get I'm gonna this is exactly what they were talking about and they would also pay for my lodging and food while I was wherever I was so I'll give it a try you know and so then in May of 2017 I found out I'd gotten it and that I was going to Harley Davidson in Milwaukee and I was like I'm not a Harley you know this I have never (laughs) been on a Harley I don't yeah so but it was a 
their at that time VP of communication, Joanne Beachman was there was on the board for the Planck Center. And so she had, they had taken two others at a different, at different times. So it was my turn. And I worked with the, uh, I was embedded with their communication team. So I had a little cube, um, worked in the office at the headquarters, took the, uh, my hotel van out. They took me every day <laughs> out there to the, the headquarters. And I would, um, looked at their crisis communication plan. Um, I was there when they were doing an earnings release and they've kind of been struggling. Like everything, that little press release that says like, our third quarter earnings are up or down is a two to th- two at least two week to not three week process of preparing that announcement. Mm-hmm. There's a phone call like they have. There's a whole chain of like this is when the news release goes out. This is when the f- conference call happens with the investors. This happened. Then there's this meeting and this meet. And so there, I was there to see all of that orchestrated behind the scenes. Mm. And then my host person came to campus. Then the fall of 2017. And very cool. That's a good opportunity. I, I, I don't think you think of that opportunity that you had to build connections also exists to benefit then the students that you teach, right? Because if you're connected with that person, that individual VP of communications or whatever, or even the people who work in communications there, then you have a direct, what we call warm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, warm connection with those people. So if your communication students are interested in that, then they could say, hey, you know, Joy Dag, she was the, you know, yeah. the, that's cool. And Very they cool. got free Harley t-shirts, so they were all excited oh, about that. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> are you a Harley fan now? I'm more of a Harley fan, and I noticed it a lot more. It was very strange, like the like right after I got the announcement, I saw, and I probably saw this, but it's one of those things, like when you're exposed to something, you see it more. Yeah. I was at my second oldest niece who had graduated and they were, uh, we were doing some of the graduation receptions like that friends of hers had, had also invited my mom and I to, even though we're not, we don't live there. And I was sitting down at the graduation reception and this guy that has this huge Harley logo on his shirt comes and sits right across from me. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't have noticed that before. No, I would not have. <laughs> and I did get on the, um, what they call the jump start motorcycle that's docked so that you mm-hmm. can shift and see if you want to like let it move. I'm not ready to let it move. Gotcha. So you will not be solo riding your Harley around the no. streets of Maryville no. any day soon. No, I will not because yeah, it, there was a lot going on and balance and yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joy. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Joy, for joining us. It was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for another Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time.